Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about the Royal Tenenbaums? I am, because after all, we are the Watchers of Movies. We're just hanging out. Just hanging Went out. Wednesday night. Yeah. You know, I did not fine. go to the <laughs> I did not go to the beach today. So No. It was hot though. Isn't it, it hot? It's hot. I took a little I have stroll. not stepped outside oh, today. Well, I did not think it was well, I knew it was a little warm today. This is gonna be a riveting story. <laughs> I knew it was a little warm today because I could feel it when I was working. Uh-huh. And then after work, I thought I could take a nap, but maybe I should take a little stroll first. And so I took, because I heard um, the whole, all day it sounded like I was in the castle in uh, Monty Python because I could hear like power tools. Yeah. So I was like, someone's building a, a big bunny in the <laughs> woods and I have to see, because I could hear power tools all day. So I was like, I'm going to walk around the complex and they're like replacing balconies. Oh. And um, so I took a walk around the complex and got kind of sweaty and I was like I feel like this was a bad decision but whenever I'm like get all sweaty I'm like I'm going to immediately come home and I'm going to immediately shower because I feel disgusting like yeah usually that's like my my driving motivational force to be like ah I can do this because I'm gonna take a shower I I wouldn't have had time so I didn't get that sweaty but I got sweaty enough where I was annoyed yeah and uh, i hate being sweaty this summer feels like it's lasted like you know you know in the lion the witch in the wardrobe and they have the winter that lasts for like years this is what this summer feels like oh jeez. <laughs> it's, it's just i first i don't like summer because it's just i just don't enjoy the heat at all um i am just looking forward to the fall and winter because i'm like i i miss just like snuggling up on the couch pile on a bunch of blankets surrounded by all my pillows <laughs> you know and i'm like super comfy and cozy because it's cold outside but it's warm in here you know but yeah now instead it's hot outside and it's cold in here tonight <laughs> and like i don't know it's just i just don't i don't like the heat i don't like feeling sticky i don't like feeling sweaty i'm not an outdoors person anyway so there's that i'm like i have to step outside and i'm like <laughs> oh my gosh the air is so fresh out here i'm dying <laughs> You're like the little boy in the secret garden. We're <laughs> like uh, Aubrey Plaza's character in Parks and Rec. Don't you remember that episode where they go, like, they go to, like, a... It's like a cabin or some someone's cabin. I think it's Ron's cabin. And she's talking <laughs> to Andy, and she's like, she's like, I can't breathe out here. The air is so fresh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like every season. Uh, I think I like every season, but near the end of every season, I get excited for the next one. So I'm really excited for fall now. I'm excited for fall. I and, love spooky um, season. Yeah. It's my favorite. I love when the leaves fall. Me too. And, uh... I and like, I get a gorgeous view. You outside do my, have a gorgeous view. I do. It's nice. Yeah. I mean, you can't really see anything that's happening through the leaves now, but, you know, once, like, winter comes, there's, like, this whole, like, forested area, and it's pretty neat. 
and then I take out my binoculars and I mm. and I stare at no one. <laughs> Sometimes there's deer. You know, if you use, I bet you could see Jupiter's moons. Oh, really? To look at, I can see them through my binoculars. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can see a few of them at least. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you just have to. Um, it, per, me personally, I have to have, I have to be able to. I have to have a ledge to lean on. Mm-hmm. So, because I can't, I'm not good enough to like hold them steady to see it. But yeah, if you, if you, um, and Jupiter's coming up in the east right now at like, I don't know, eleven o'clock. You can see oh. it, and uh, yeah. So if you have a ledge and you can look off into the east and and focus on it with your binoculars, you might be able to see some moons. That would be pretty cool. It's pretty cool, yeah. I've always wanted to like. I've never like looked through a telescope or anything, and really? I've always yeah. Oh I've my always gosh. wanted. I love like the planetarium. I love. I think just outer space is just so cool. So I have some questions. Oh again. yes, movie questions. <clears throat> Okay. Um what is what um, what movie do you think would have been better as like a limited slash mini series? Ooh, that's a good one. And I like it. <laughs> um so I've seen plenty of movies where I'm like, there's not enough information and I feel like if they just maybe had made it just like maybe even five episodes or just three or something, each an hour long mm-hmm. and explain what's going on. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think maybe The Hunger Games could have been a cool series. That would have been good. Because they could have focused on different characters, different episodes and And such. And Finnick. I think Finnick has a really interesting backstory and i would have liked if they explored that more you know i said because, the same like, thing yeah because yeah. we've I've, talked about him like he was like basically forced into sexual slavery essentially so he, I, prostitution yeah, yeah 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 i always thought that i i always thought after reading the book or they told his story i was like he would have been a much better subject for these books because i really liked his story it's so heartbreaking yeah, and yeah um well and he's like I don't know. I remember when they were casting him, and I had one friend who thought Garrett Hedlund would have been good for that role, and I don't disagree with that, but I remember being like, no, I'm really into Sam Claflin. I really like him, and I thought he did a great job. You know, the entire time I was like, I always liked Sam Claflin as him, and I thought he was calm. Like, he may not be like a classically attractive man, but he is cute. He's definitely a cute guy, but he's just... I don't think it's necessarily has to do with the looks, but it has to do a lot with the confidence. Like, Big if you time. don't have the confidence to pull it off, you're not going to. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Thank good one. you. Mine is Get Out. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Have you seen that one? Yeah. I think I... I left the theater going like, I liked it, but I felt like there was a lot of information missing, and that was what really stopped me from loving it, you know, or really having to, you know, say that I really, really liked it. I felt like um, there was, like, a lot of history that they could have gone into with these people taking over these, you know, black people's bodies, um, and, or even go into the history of like so who were who was their victims before they decided to turn to the you know the the um african-american race or whatever you know what i mean so i thought that that would be really interesting but they really don't get into it and i and i was just like who but they're so they're so put together and they know 
like all you know these people doing this are so put together so they've clearly been doing it for a very long time so i was like so tell me more you know what i mean yeah i wanted more information and i just kind of left it being like "Eh, but they could have done more or they i could have known more you know i get yeah yeah it was a fact like it was interesting and i thought it was a very unique story um it was certainly different from anything else i've seen before but i definitely felt like they needed more Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good one yeah thanks is there okay one sec is there a character that reminds you of yourself but you don't like that they remind you of yourself hmm that's a really good question um i find that I haven't watched a ton of The Big Bang Theory, but I've watched some because my mom liked it, so I watched it with her. I've, yeah, that's and the same I thing. I feel like I can definitely see myself in Sheldon Cooper in a way that is probably not flattering, but <laughs> so it is. I I can see it. I, I can't, can't, I can't it. remember enough to like agree with He's you. He's very not, particular. But um, like there was this one episode. Weirdly, my friend Amber and I just talked about this recently. Really? So it's funny that it's coming up. But um, there's an episode where he always sits on the same couch cushion, like mm-hmm. the same area of the couch. And they, I can't remember if they spilled something on it or ripped or something, but they flipped the cushion. And they were like, he'll never know. We just, let's just flip the cushion. We don't want him to freak out. And as soon as he sat down on it, he knew. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's that's me. <laughs> Yeah, I now that you say that, I can kind of see some of Sheldon's like characteristics in myself too. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I'm particular about that too. I'm like, no, don't sit there. That's my spot. Well, my <laughs> brother know? used to when I was younger. My brother used to go into my room and just move things like a, oh yeah, you a told quarter of that, an yeah. inch, yeah. and it would it would just like send me off. Like I would be. It really got to me, and I think I've gotten better. But I'm still not, I mean, like, I will admit, between you and me, and everyone listening, that I'm not totally better. I, I think I'm, I think I try to exude this, like, aura of chill, but I'm actually pretty tightly wound about certain things. And, uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, um, like, at my parents' place... I always sit in a specific spot at the table. And, like, every time I'm like, no, that's, I have to sit there. And they're like, Wait, where's your spot again? And I'm like, it's right there. It's not near the end. It's the second one to the end. <laughs> it's always like that. And if it's, because sometimes they'll switch sides. So, like, because they have a long, you know, they have a long harvest table. So, sometimes it'll be, like, at the front. And I'm, like, I'm always, like, the second one from the first <laughs> it's all the way to the back i'm the second one to the last and i don't like sitting uh, i like having the wall like to my back so i'm always like particular about that and they're like why do you always i'm like i just i just like it the way i like it okay <laughs> like, i'm very like i'm particular about that yeah i i definitely have um some things where i'm like oh no this isn't going right and i'm i'm not happy <laughs> you know what i mean so i understand um, but mine is, uh, it's Brianna's, her character's name, played by June D- Diane Raphael in, um, Grace and Frankie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I love Brianna, but she's a huge bitch. Oh, okay. <laughs> and there's just some things that she's, like, kind of done or said where I'm like, oh, no. 
reminds me of me. You know what I mean? And I'm like, Ugh. but there also are some things where, um, like that really made me laugh because I was like, okay, so that's totally me. Like her sister, her sister's played by Brooklyn Decker, uh, has like, I think she has three kids and then she gets, she gets pregnant with her fourth and she announces it to everyone. And Brianna's just like, ew, why would you have another child? And I was like, wow, that's, yeah, that's exactly me. <laughs> you know, so that is you. Yeah, I know. So I love her, but at the same time, she's, she's a huge bitch. And mm. sometimes I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> you know, so, oh well, but she's great. Um, what is the best love story you've seen, but not in the romantic sense? Now you can include a movie that has a love story, but there can also be like a subplot or the main plot not being the love story. If that makes sense, okay. Like Frozen is a good one. Sure, yeah. I've talked about about time before. Mm-hmm. There's a father son story in that movie that I really like. I think I've talked about the way way back as mm-hmm. well. And there's a story between Sam Rockwell and, uh, like, a teenage boy where it's, like, a mentor, like, father figure that I really, really enjoy in that movie as well. Um, hmm. I like this question. Let me think if there's anything else. Yeah, I was kind of proud of these. Yeah, it was like, that's a good one. I felt like they were unique, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Made you think. Um... I do really love the the friendship and super bad between um, uh, Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill. I think that's a really good story, and I think it's really well done. So uh, I do really like their friendship as well, and I would consider that right in the realm of what you're asking. So okay, yeah. What was that? Um, uh, Beanie Feldstein and um, oh, Booksmart. Yeah, yeah, that was. Ki- I felt like that was trying really hard to be the next super bad, and yeah, it just felt it was flat. trying too hard. I think. Yeah, I think it needed a little bit more of like original inspiration. Yeah, because I think it was made. It was done by Olivia Wilde, and so being a female herself, she should have something to draw from with female friendships. But it seemed like she was drawing from super bad type stuff yeah and i was like no because there's a movie called me without you with michelle williams and uh jeez i can't remember her name she was in pushing daisies oh um she played chuck yeah um anna anna fuck that's not her last name but she's married to the guy that plays uh, Lupin in Harry Potter. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, or they have a kid together. Or something. It's a movie I don't know if they're still married, but Me Without You and I, and it's a little bit frail, frail, and a frail, frail, frail. Yes. Good yeah. job. Okay. Good job. Thank you. Um, and I think it's a really interesting picture about female friendships, especially female friendships at like late teens, early twenties, college age. Oh, so it's and from a while ago. Oh yeah. It's okay. I watched I was I really it was like one of my favorite movies when I was in college, but now I think it's a little bit it's it's maybe a little too sad. Or mm. it's not sad, but it's it's just like my frame of mind at this age, I don't identify with it quite as much as I did when I was in college I get it. um and i think that that's a really good movie about female friendships the um negative side of female friendships where females can tend to sort of rely on each other too much or compete with each other or 
it's hard to explain in depth um but it's just like some female f- like some female friendships like the bond is so tight that you can actually like sort of like push each other away a little bit mm-hmm. and especially anyway and so i think if that female friendship the i think the brilliance of that movie is that it, it is a really interesting look at when female friendships implode and i'm not suggesting that okay. male friendships don't implode right but i'm just saying like my experience as a female right is this is what happens and so i think if she would have taken olivia wilde would have taken that same energy but put a positive spin on it and made book smart i think but book smart could have been really cool yeah and yeah. unique but instead she just like grabbed this like party culture you know yeah, it was like can't hardly wait and like and super, super bad, bad mixed together yeah. but like not in a way that was it was okay i mean it was mm-hmm. i enjoyed it for what it was but i wouldn't like would yeah, i, I don't seek think it, it out was again? anything groundbreaking no probably yeah. not yeah mm-hmm. i wouldn't i it's not something i'd really recommend to people it was it was fine for what it was yeah it, but yeah no it wasn't it wasn't anything special um so I have two. Okay. My first one is La Vita e Bella, the uh, Italian film with um, <laughs> I can't remember his name. Uh, the guy who walked on the backs of the chairs when he was accepting his Oscar speech. Uh, oh, I'm just gonna look it up. Uh, it's gonna because it's gonna bother me. That's about the Holocaust, right? Mm-hmm. Hold on one sec. Oh, Roberto Benigni. Yeah. yeah, there's no way I would remember that. Um, <clears throat> Roberto Benigni. It's and it is a love story, but it's um, but I'm mostly talking about the relationship he had with his son because his son was like five or something, and he and his father Roberto Benigni basically spent the entire time that they were in. I think they were in they were in a concentration camp, Auschwitz maybe or something. Pretending that this was like all a game, and so the kid really had no idea what he was experiencing. And I think that that was, and he ends up getting killed. Like, not the kid, the kid survives, but the guy ends up getting killed. It's really heartbreaking, but it's a great film. Um, so that one, and then my second one is a little bit more fun. Uh, my second one is For a Good Time Call. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> it's like I would. I would recommend that movie. It's really... There is a love story in it, too, with a Mark... Um, oh, my God. Why am I blanking on... Mark Webber. Mark oh, Webber's okay. on it. Um, so, there is a love story between him and, like, the one of the girls. But um, it's mostly the relationship between the two girls is, like... And the ending is really clever because the whole thing is about them getting into... Um, like phone sex work right and so (laughs) i can't even do it justice and i almost don't even want to say anything but they're like on the phone with each other when they realize that they like they want to be friends and they're and and they're speaking like as if they're like having phone sex with each other but they're they're like i'm coming i'm coming too (laughs) i love you so much and it's it's really it's um I'm I had my friend Emily watch it and I, I love my friend Emily, but she can be a little bit like uptight about what she wants to watch. She kinda likes to watch like the same things over and over, which is fine because I do too. But 
um, I was like, you have to watch this movie. You're going to love it. And she watched it and she was like, you're right. It's really funny and I love it. So I would I would highly recommend yeah, it. Yeah, it's on my list because you it's recommended really it to cute. me but I haven't watched it yet. It's but. it's really cute and it's really funny and um, and I like that it's pretty much like an unknown cast. It's Lauren Rogan's in it. It's Seth Rogen's wife. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Um, Isn't that blonde woman somebody? Allie? I think so. I don't think I've seen Allie her in a lot of Grainer? stuff, though. Is that her name? Allie? Maybe. Let me see. I feel like I'm going crazy. Ari Grainer. Ari Grainer. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if I've even seen her in a lot of stuff. But, um, yeah, she... Oh, she is some... I have seen her in some stuff, but not a lot. But, yeah. Um, it's it's just, like... <laughs> I don't know. Just their relationship is really cute, and... It's just a, it's just such a feel good movie. You know what I mean? Like, and it's funny and it's a little like dirty, but like in a good way. <laughs> you know, like there's one point where Seth Rogen's actually in it and he calls and he's like a pilot. And so he has like time before his next flight and he's like just, he wants to get off. You know what I mean? So he is talking to both of them and he's like, why don't you describe yourselves to each other? And they're like, she's got beautiful, soft blue eyes. <laughs> like, and he's like getting frustrated because they're like kind of it's almost their like friendship falling in love with each other and so he's like he's like okay and can you tell me more and they're like she's got beautiful hair <laughs> so it's it sounds funny I would, I would really I'd highly recommend it yeah. it's really cute I'm gonna have to like put it higher on my list you should I, yeah I, I am intrigued yes yeah <laughs> so that's it that's mine and those are all my questions. I like it. So you ready to talk about the movie? I am ready to talk about the movie. Did right. you want to give a synopsis or do you feel... Um, do you want to give it or you want me to give sure, it? Sure, I can give it. Okay. So um, The Royal Tenenbaums is about a family, last name Tenenbaums, and uh, Royal is the father, and him and his wife have three children who are kind of like geniuses as as kids, but then as when the movie take, takes place, mostly when they're older, they're kind of like on the back end of their impressive childhood genius. It's a gifted so all, child syndrome. Yeah, they're all kind of floundering, and Royal and his wife separated, and and basically he learns that his wife is probably in love with another man finally, and he want this other man wants to marry her, and so he fakes having cancer so he can sort of move back into the house and get back in with the family and get on their good graces and then he he's sort of trying to redeem himself to the family because they all are kind of at odds and distant like none of them had talked to him for a couple of years and he's trying to sort of redeem deem himself to his family meanwhile his kids are all going through various problems like Chaz played by Ben Stiller his wife died in a plane crash earlier that year so he's like being really crazy and overprotective about his two sons Margot, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, it used to be a famous playwright, but now she's sort of floundering, and she's married to an older man, and she's cheating on him. And Richie, played by uh, Luke, Luke Wilson, Wilson is a, was a tennis pro, but he's in love with Margot, so he has he sort of had a meltdown on the court and took like a two-year uh, cruise around the world on a boat. And anyway, they all come back to the Tenenbaum house, and they all sort of try to uh, 
mend defenses and Mm -hmm. love each other again and get over their psychological distress among many hijinks. Mm hmm. But. Yeah, that's okay. good. Yeah, that's good. I've never... That's the first synopsis I've ever given. <laughs> I know. So. You did a good job. <laughs> oh, thanks. So You're so welcome. You've never seen this movie before. I've never seen it. What did you think? I liked it. Oh, good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I um, I was kind of surprised at how much I liked it, actually. Oh, that makes me feel good. Um, I, I think that I maybe like had an introduction to Wes Anderson when I was younger with movies that I didn't necessarily care about like the Jar- Darjeeling Limited I was like kind of eh, like it, I didn't hate it but I was like eh, I could take it or leave it um, and as I've grown older and you're starting to be like hey let's let's review these like Rushmore and everything I'm starting to be like maybe I actually really do like Wes Anderson mm-hmm. um, because I'm finding that I do enjoy his movies and I, I liked this one and I had heard about it but I really didn't know a lot about it I knew like I pretty much knew that like about the cast and that was pretty much it um so I actually thought that Bill Murray was like related to the family (laughs) before going into it so then when they they were like oh no she's married to this other guy I was like oh so he's not even part of it so I actually was kind of surprised that that he had kind of a small part too because I expected him to have a way bigger part yeah yeah and and uh so this is like the second or third Gene Hackman movie I've ever seen because the first one I think was Heartbreakers with Jennifer Love Hewitt oh, wow. and Sigourney Weaver. I think it was Sigourney Weaver. And yeah, um, yeah. that was not very good, but <laughs> you know, whatever. It was kind of, I don't know. I mean, I remember liking it when I saw it, but I think if I saw it now, I'd be like, this is garbage. You know like what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'd be like, this is trash. Uh, so um, I did immediately recognize Alec Baldwin as the narrator. Of course. As, as I was listening, Iconic. I was like, I was like, that sounds just like Alec Baldwin. And I was like, narrator of the Royal Tenenbaums. I looked it up on my phone. And I'm like, oh, I'm right. Good. <laughs> I should hope so. So, um, I love, first of all, I love Angelica Houston. Houston. I think she's awesome. I've loved her forever. <laughs> you know, pretty much, you know, like she was in um, The Adams Family and she's the perfect, she was the perfect Morticia. And yeah, so um, yeah, but so how do you feel about the movie? I mean, I, you, you own it, so I'm assuming you like it. Yeah, I love this movie. This one's definitely one of my top 10 favorites. I love it. I like top ten of all time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I used to be like Wes Anderson's number one fan. Uh, I think his first four movies, I believe, after the Royal Tenenbaums is The Life Aquatic, which I really liked. But that, but then after The Life Aquatic, I feel like things started taking a turn, and and I his movies have become a little bit more hit or miss for me. Mm -hmm. I know people like really like lose their minds <laughs> i just heard a cat people really lose their minds over the grand budapest hotel and i'm like this i don't i don't know why i don't is love that, the that one, one with ray fiends mm-hmm. i wanted to see that one i think that um ha- like every one of his movies even when they're a miss they still have amusing parts mm-hmm. but i think the first his first four movies were pretty solid i mean bottle rocket is the first one and that one isn't as strong bottle rocket mm-hmm. is that what, that's what luke the wilson yeah. brothers and that one's not as strong but it's also his first but i still really liked it and rushmore is probably my is the best i think my favorite mm-hmm. um and then royal tenenbaums is like right there with it i really love the royal tenenbaums 
almost just as much as I love Rushmore. And then Life Aquatic, maybe. I, th- I really love Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I lent my copy to somebody and never got it back. So oh. it's mm. gone now. No. That's death and of a friendship right there. I've got to tell you, if you steal my DVDs, we're done. <laughs> and, uh, so now Do not steal my precious fucking movies. <laughs> It's gone forever. I mean, I could. I guess I could just buy a new one, but um, the cat just jumped on the table. So I'm a big fan of his, but I think that this movie is is right on the cusp of when when it started being kind of. Oh my gosh! <laughs> That's awesome. You He's purring. So I don't think the Darjeeling Limited is is a great movie. I think it's like totally depressing like it's a very it very super depressing. depressing movie um so yeah if, if that was my first wes anderson movie i probably would also have felt yeah. like you but it was uh like i i don't remember a lot of it i remember like natalie portman being in it for like a hot second um but yeah i remember i don't know i just don't i don't remember much i just remember being kind of like eh, whatever you yeah know? yeah yeah, no, so. I love I love the set design in this movie. I love the costume design, and the music, the soundtrack, the score. Uh, the, the soundtrack, I actually wrote that down. I was like, man, the soundtrack is really good. Yeah, and I I think I really love his dry sense of humor, and I think he found a cast of people who were able to execute his vision so perfectly, and I think that that is rare i i used to say there's a cat head on my leg he's like really needing attention he's today. really um, affectionate today i used to say i used to, i use this as an example like it's always sunny in philadelphia for example is that the genius of that show is not that it's like like so brilliantly written but to me the genius of that show is that they all know their roles yeah and they work off of each other isn't it like a lot of one it, person it, and and wait isn't it a lot a lot of it is improvised i don't know but I've i just heard, know, I swear like, i've heard that but i don't know how true that is so. i think it's not easy to find somebody who you can say this is my vision and they can execute it the way it should be executed like like it's like you you find somebody who can tap into like a hive brain and i feel like wes anderson does that in this movie and i and i think that that's just it's so rare and it's so hard to do and i i really love it yeah i think it's um first of all i love caitlin also <laughs> to say that and um it's always sunny in philadelphia oh i was she like plays, she's not she in plays, this movie she plays oh, sweet d yeah. yeah i think she's great um i've seen a bunch of her other stuff and i just she always plays like a very similar like trashy character but she's fun um yeah, I I think that it was a great cast. I think you're totally right about that. I I like that they had um it was like it it wasn't done cuz sometimes they have a famous cast and it's done because it's not a good movie, you know? Like they're just doing it because it's not a good movie. Oh, big time. But I don't I don't feel like that in this Mm-mm. at all. I think that yeah. they did a good job casting everyone. And I I like Ben Stiller in his more serious roles too. I think he's really I, I think he's a decent serious actor. Um but man, it like it definitely got pretty dark, like with the whole Richie committing suicide and everything. And um, I mean, Margot seems like she kind of can't be loyal to one person, you know. I actually really liked Margot. But yeah, <laughs> sorry, I got clawed. 
<laughs> Sorry. I You're did just too. looking at no. face like, ah! <laughs> I do too, yeah. The cat is distracting. I know. He's okay. He's incredibly cute. Let's focus. He knows how distracting and cute yeah. he is. Look at that face. That happy little sad. He's got a little smile on his face. Oh, I love when he does a little <laughs> thing with his paws. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Okay. <laughs> We're very distracted by the kitty today. Um... <clears throat> So, so I wrote down that it seems like Royal doesn't really seem to value the arts, you know, with like Margot and everything and the whole, every time he'd introduce her to anyone, he'd be like, oh yeah, she's adopted. I was like, way to make, th- like way to make this girl feel like totally alienated from the rest of the family, you know? Yeah, I, I actually am interested in talking about that a little bit because I deduced that it's 50% for the audience so we don't think it's as weird that Richie and her are in love with each other because their whole lives their father never tried to bond them like family members right so I'm like okay so 50% of that so like the audience doesn't immediately turn it off and be like what's this weird movie about weird like sort of incesty feeling relationships you know and so I I think maybe partially that. But then secondly, I was like, whose decision was it to adopt? Because he doesn't seem very excited about having right. an adopted daughter. And But at the end, when they went to the ice cream parlor, he actually said, can I get a Sunday for my daughter? And that was like the first time they he called her his daughter. So that is like some growth between them. And then like he invited her to the, the cemetery. And she said, you know, I was never allowed to come. I was never invited before to see... Yeah, he I thought like, that that was like that was heartbreaking. That she was like, I, I, why would I come this time? Like, you know. Yeah, and he was like, well, I, you know, she wasn't your real grandmother, so I never knew how interested you were. And I think that that's fascinating because generally, I think the mindset is when you adopt a child, like they become part of your family. They're yeah, not I mean that's always, what I would think. So yeah, yeah. like so, to me, I mean, I so I worked with someone who, um, she ended up. Not legally, but she kind of sort of adopted her her son's friend who was in, like, a really shitty home situation. And basically, he's been living with them for, like, 10 years. Um, I think that they, they maybe live, you know, like, separately on their own now, but... Um, you know, she she called him her son, and he was yeah. not legally adopted. Like, he was just someone that she loved and she took care of because she knew that, you know, he had a really awful home life, and so she wanted him to have a good one. And, like, love her. She's so great. <laughs> um, we still talk. She's, you know. Uh, so I think that is really weird that you would, like, what you said, why would you adopt a kid and then continue to remind them, like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're adopted, you know? Yeah, like, whose idea, was it Ethelene's played by Angelica Houston was it her idea to adopt they never addressed that but I was like why would you strikes me as maybe more her idea yeah why would you go through the trouble of adopting a baby that you was she even when was she adopted as a baby she was two years old I think okay okay so she was definitely still really young yeah Yeah. and so I I think that's also interesting because like the Richie and Margot love story I think that as I stated I think they partly partially made royal make her an outsider for uh, our sakes but yeah. i think it's interesting to be raised together as brother and sister and to fall in love with each other i know that they're not blood related but they've known each other most of their lives most of their like yeah cognizant life you know so right i mean i think 
that I think you hit the nail on the head that with with Royal kind of alienating her and like her not coming and seeing like the grandmother's grave and everything very much made her feel like well I'm not part of the family so then yeah to because you're right because when I was watching it and I like her and Richie were saying that I love I love you to me it was never weird right I was yeah. just like okay yeah they're like, adopted finally, he's right, like, her, right like I was like they're adopted it's not like they're related so it's not weird if they end up having you know a relationship or even kids or whatever you know because the kids mm-hmm. aren't going to turn out weird they're going to be fine right um, well they might turn out weird but not for <laughs> genetic reasons yeah, exactly. <laughs> they probably will turn out weird but not like you know we're not yeah, talking like king charles to Spain still be biodiversity at least <laughs> yeah exactly uh so it, it i i i agree with you that i think that that's i think that's spot on um but i think it also really point paints royal as just kind of an asshole you know just someone who didn't seem to value his children as people but more what they could do for him or what they were capable of doing and you know with Margot, she's super smart and she's uh very good at like the arts and stuff like that and it just didn't seem like he valued that you know he was really into like what chaz was doing what richie was doing yeah, he yeah. didn't even care about Chaz. Oh yeah, really. you're right. Right, yeah. he, he just stole money from Chaz. Yeah, so um, you're right. He just cared about what Richie was doing. So it's like he, I mean, Royal just seemed like he was checked out, other than being obsessed over Richie. And it makes sense that all these people are having these struggles now as adults because they were the gifted children child syndrome you know you're told that you're so gifted you're so intelligent you're so whatever that it's been known that people who experience that when they're kids have trouble adjusting when they're adults because it's i mean i'm not really even sure why but i know that it's it's just a it's a it's a problem you know they it's like because you're not always going to be perfect at something and that's something i even have to remind myself because sometimes i feel like if i start something and i'm not immediately good at it i'm like fuck it i'm done i don't mm-hmm. want to do it but then i'm like well why would you be good I'm like why would you immediately be good at it this is the first time you've ever done that you know give yourself a break like it's like it's it makes sense that you wouldn't immediately be excellent at what you do you know like sure i'd love to paint like you know van gogh but i can't because <laughs> i just well i don't do it enough and also and you know it's just not my thing but i, I wonder if if royal had the same thing because it mentions in the movie that he was like a su- very successful litigator and then obviously he had some troubles because he stole money from Chaz and Chaz like didn't Chaz lead the charge and in, like indicting him or something or something like, yeah. to prison or whatever. So I wonder. I if, don't blame if Royal, him. I mean, if Royal himself was like a quote unquote gifted child, and maybe that's why he became such a wayward adult because now he had children, and so when you have children, like you have to sort of dote on them like they're mm-hmm. not doting on you you know like right. you, you have to put yourself aside for a little while to raise these kids so and um and i i think that there's a scene i really really like and it's when it's when he goes to tell ethelene that he has he has cancer and i love her reaction because she starts just crying and sobbing and she's like what did he say you know how long do you have what's going on and and i think that that's a really good picture because she still loves him yeah yeah but he's just like yeah he's just well in the words of henry uh he's not an asshole he's just kind of a son of a bitch (laughs) 
And, I love um, Henry. <laughs> so, you know, he's not a pleasant guy, and he's probably no. was really awful to be married to, but they never got an illegal divorce up until the, this point. And she still obviously loved him and cared for him. And, and then he says, like, I'm not dying. And then she gets so pissed at him, and then he's like, well, I am dying. Like, the whole time, like, reneging. I know, and, like, I know. I saying I the lie sure again. what was yeah. going on. Well, I yeah. was like, is he? But I was like, I didn't, I, so what happened is, because I have the PS3, so um, I hadn't charged my, um, my remote, what are they called? Controller. Thank you. <laughs> Tomote. Motes. I had to charge my controllers, so I had to like kind of sit on the floor for like the first half of it just to be near the controller. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I had to charge it, you know, use the machine to charge it, and um, and I like, and then I moved later to the couch. But I, I was like, I'm just gonna, I, I, I don't know. For some reason, I didn't rewind that scene. I think I got like too far into it, and I was gonna rewind it when he was talking to his doctor or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and um, that scene is like um, creatively I, vague. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so okay. So my grandmother, my Italian grandmother, my maternal one, she actually did pass away from stomach cancer, and I can tell you that it's brutal. And you just don't like you don't eat. You can't really process food. And so he's yeah him. And when Henry is like, okay, so you're eating three burgers a day. I was like, yeah, this guy not fucking dying from stomach cancer and he looks super good like he's like ruddy and full of life and he's doing on all these adventures like well it became you know. pretty apparent like because you never like you see him with the doctor and the doctor's just answering some vague questions so you don't know what that's about mm-hmm. he tells Ethelene he's dying he moves in but then he says something to pagoda, pagoda the the like the butler or whatever of the mm-hmm. family the henchman i don't know what he is but he says to the Dakota about Dakota about like kind of interesting like oh the first part of the plan is working and so you know that like mm-hmm. he's not he's probably not dying of cancer right. or maybe i don't know at that point you're still not totally sure but then it becomes more and more clear that like he doesn't seem like somebody who has cancer especially when they <laughs> so go up you're dying in six weeks <laughs> well they go up to the bedroom where his like hospital equipment is and there's an iv there but it's he's not hooked up to it and the right. doctor in in the room is the elevator operator from right. the hotel you right, know right. so yeah that's also and then henry's looking at the pills and he's like is this a tic tac (laughs) and i was like i said out loud i go that's definitely a tic tac (laughs) i was like i listen i know what tic tacs look like because sometimes i buy those like big like bulk things of tic tacs and let me tell you i will go through the entire thing in one day okay they're delicious they're like the the like fruit ones and i'm just like pour them it's like a fruit salad (laughs) they're so good I want some right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think his motivation, or I like that his motivation is, um, so Henry Sherman, played by Danny Glover. Mm -hmm. Donald Glover? Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Donald Glover is... There's too many Glovers in Hollywood. <laughs> D- too Donald many Glover's, D- Glovers in Hollywood. Donald Glover's Childish Gambino. Danny Glover yeah. asks Ethelene to and marry him. And they're not related. I didn't think they were related, <laughs> but their names are very similar. Yes, um, they are. He asks Ethelene to marry him, and so Pagoda. <laughs> I like it because the scene, like, there's so many details in this movie, so... Henry asks her to marry him, and Pagoda's out in, like, a courtyard, and he has these headphones on, and he takes the headphones off, and he's listening, and then the next scene, he's, like, telling Royal that Henry asked yeah. Ethelene to marry her, marry him, and that's when Royal, like, cooks up this plan, and uh, I think it's interesting that 
in the beginning of the movie royal is still like a pretty selfish mm-hmm. and time. he doesn't he doesn't want anybody to not like he he doesn't want to be with his wife because he's not making the effort obviously for like 20 years but yeah. he doesn't want somebody else to have her either mm-hmm. he doesn't want somebody else to like have his kid he, i'm sure he doesn't want his kids to like somebody else more than they are supposedly like him you know so he's yeah, like he works out that cooks up this plan to say he has stomach cancer too so difficult he can, to find someone who likes him yeah <laughs> so he can yeah. infiltrate into the, back into their lives and uh and i think that that's interesting um so manipulative yeah i mean just the entire yeah. movie is like him being super manipulative but um i really liked I really liked Henry and I love that he was talking to her and he's like I think it would be beneficial if you got a divorce blah blah blah. and he's like well actually I would like for you to marry me and I was like oh (laughs) it's pretty cute yeah and then um you know he's he's very like respectful of her but he's like but you know I want an answer like you know later on understandably and she's like well I have not slept with a man in 18 years and then they have that cute adorable like tender little kiss and i was like oh no i love them they're so i like how it shows like her other suitors and they're like an arctic explorer and then and like a japanese like scholar and some other guys and i love that the women in these family have like these extraordinary loves like this like very unique and i i love it i love it and uh and then she's walking with henry at like some like archaeological dig and he falls into a hole (laughs) (laughs) and i like how he's sort of clumsy and bumbling and he's just an accountant which isn't a super exciting job but she like she likes that yeah Yeah. he was so he was so sweet i loved henry like from the moment he was introduced like he was soft-spoken he was pretty much i mean he was a foil to royal i think essentially a royal foil Royal foil. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, There's this part when Royal is uh, sitting in the kitchen, and uh, it made me <laughs> it made me laugh out loud. And it's like, so Henry comes into the kitchen, and Royal's like, <laughs> what did, Royal says something about, what's that you said, Coltrane? And Henry's like, did you just call me Coltrane? And Royal's like, no. <laughs> juvenile he's so juvenile and he's like keeps denying yeah. it he's like are you sure and you didn't like, call me coltrane he's like there's Man. nothing you can do if i did <laughs> so i know i feel like royal didn't quite grow out of that mentality you no, know like yeah. he's, he's still very child i mean he's he's so manipulative and he's not even like really good at it either if you think about it because if you're really good at it you would well first of all i don't think you'd make up a cancer diagnosis you would do (laughs) something where you could heal from it or get cured or whatever you know yeah because eventually people are going to be like okay so you're not dead it's been two months so it's over six weeks and you were supposed to die two weeks ago but you look as healthy as ever so clearly (laughs) like what's going on you know but um he yeah i mean his whole like this is like what the whole entire movie is is him basically infiltrating his family again and all of them are angry understandably so because he's you know i mean he's kind of like i wouldn't say it's like the clack i can't (laughs) i wouldn't say it's like the classic abuser but he is a little bit like abusive in his in his neglect essentially mm-hmm. you know yeah. um especially towards you know margo and and chaz and stealing chaz's money and everything and and i think that 
I think that Royal has a decent enough redemption arc where, um, you know, and I love that, like, at the end when they're, when Chaz and, like, Uzi and Ari are, like, and, and him are riding on, like, the the uh, the garbage truck and everything, and you see, like, Chaz poking his head out, and he's like, Whoa! So, yeah. you know, he's kind of like, oh, you've got, he's gotten back into, you know, feeling good about life. Um, I actually did want to ask you a question. So, I know that you have a thing about the plane crashes. So, mm-hmm. what did you feel about this whole plane crash storyline? Um, I didn't mind it because, I didn't mind it totally because we didn't see it happen. Mm-hmm. It is ridiculous, but the movie is ridiculous so it fits yeah um i don't like the trope of sur- like the surviving the plane crashes but it fits but in this so movie because it's so quirky. wait were they were they in the plane as well mm-hmm. and so sh- just she died just she died okay, and then okay. they show poor buckley in in the oh. dog crate and it's so sad <laughs> i know buckley the like they oh, showed him and i went oh yeah. no and then like at the end i know he dies. i didn't like that and then i didn't like that either he dies and everyone's just kind of like weirdly okay with it they're like oh buckley oh no he didn't survive and i was like if i had been one of the kids i would have been like <laughs> they were dies. crying the kids were crying i know but i would have been chaz i would have been hysterical well, chaz though chased eli <laughs> through the house and into the that's, garden that's true i <laughs> Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I... I thought it was cute that Royal bought them a new dog, but I was also like, their dog just yeah, died. I think as like <laughs> that's one of the plot devices in the movie that I think is the weakest, mm-hmm. is killing the dog. Killing the dog just because they need to have a way for Royal to sort of redeem himself to Chaz by saving his kids and then getting them a new dog immediately. And I, I think that that's maybe the weakest. I thought it's so one too. of the weakest because I, I don't generally like when a dog has to die in a movie. I think yeah. that's really sad. But well, and that was so I unnecessary. The dog dying could have been powerful enough. He didn't need to provide a new dog. Right. Um, and so yeah i don't Although really the dalmatian like, thing was a theme plug. yeah the do- yeah that's true that's a yeah. good point because first so, of all yeah. i thought those dalmatian mice were so cute <laughs> yeah. i was like i want one i want a dalmatian my- mouse um and i like how they were like just kind of all over the place in yeah. the house and everyone was just like leave it alone i, I those really like mice i really liked how there was like this built-in like familial talking like you just said like like uh royal said can somebody get rid of these mice? And Margo's like, no, those are Chaz's. And I like, I was just accepted. Like yeah. you said, like they're just, they're, he's the, like, the mice are in the house, mice, okay? they are house mice. Chaz <laughs> created them or whatever. So yeah. yeah, that's true. Dalmatians are a theme, but I yeah. just, I generally think that it could have been just as powerful without him giving, because he saved the boys' so lives, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And he could have saved the dog's life too. And he could have like, presented them their dog back or something you know right. what i mean yeah and i didn't so, think it was i didn't think yeah. it was necessary for buckley they, to die and they just showed him and he's such a cute dog like they showed like when, i love um, beagles beagles when are so cute chaz, they are cute when chaz was waking them up in the middle of the night with like a fake fire drill and they're like we forgot buckley and he's like it doesn't matter we're all dead anyway <laughs> and they show buckley in the house just laying on his bed and then later he's like what happened when royal sort of calls the kids over because royal wants to meet Uzi and Ari and, and Chaz is hesitant so he finds them at a playground and he calls them over and he's like that's a that's a nice dog he got there you I know, know. And, so and they cute. go he goes Buckley sit and it sits and he like has this look of like 
it like he's impressed yeah i know i I like that too i know he was like oh okay good dog yeah (laughs) um i know i was i was bummed out by that i didn't think that that was necessary to kill the dog it just felt like just there to be there yeah and it didn't feel yeah i i i I don't like when i don't like animal it it didn't feel as authentic as the rest of the movie felt yeah but i like i think also back to your question about the plane crash in this movie because this movie was quirky it worked and it also worked because it there needed to be something extreme to explain chaz's behavior yeah and how he's trying to prepare his kids for everything but what happened initially that killed his wife and their mother is something that you can't even really prepare for anyway no, i mean so all of his preparation after that is like i would never go on an airplane again that's for <laughs> damn sure yeah and it's it's sort of like futile because everything he's trying to prepare them for is to try to somehow go back in time and not have his wife die in such a tragedy right. and so i did you have something to talk about? Because I kind of want to go into the well, Chaz story. I was, but. Thi- I was just going to mention um, that there was this woman in history named Violet Jessup who was on the Titanic, and which you know sank. Oh, yeah. And then and she, she went on, on two different other ships that sank. And yeah. I, I was just like, I'm thinking that. I'm like, I would never go on a plane again. Just as if I was Violet Jessup, I'd be like, fuck ships for the rest of my life. I'm never going on one yeah. again. But that bitch is crazy. And she went on two more. She and they so both survived sank. so it makes yeah you, it really makes you wonder i know i'm like <laughs> damn i'm like girl god has got a plan for you or something because <laughs> like what is happening like did you cure cancer like what <laughs> i don't think so but oh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing that's the only accolade worth talking only, about <laughs> yeah now uh, i don't know it, she's uh definitely interesting but yeah um, i do want to talk yeah, go in, so go into what you were... So I want to talk about the Chaz storyline. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple things I really like. So um, you think Royal is just an asshole as you're watching it, but he's so in tune. So he goes to the playground. He tells Chaz, you know, he's like, I want to I meet your kids. And Chaz is like, no, you don't get to meet my kids, you know? Mm-hmm. And then so Royal goes and finds them at the, the, at the park, and the kids are, like, doing exercising they're not playing on the playground you know they're, they're exercising and there's this really fun camera move where it like does like a fast speed up on him and he like whistles at them and then it does a fast speed up on one of the boys and then they look back and forth and then he like weighs them over and they come over and uh and he's like do you know who i am and they you know they go back and forth and then he says how often does your dad have you working out and they go 16 times a week oh no wait sorry i'm jumping ahead he said how's your dad and they go he's good and he has this look on her face he goes oh yeah you think so and he knows he knows that chaz is like going through a really hard time oh yeah big time he may be like a narcissist and a selfish jerk and a horrible husband and not a very good father but he is a father and he mm. does know you know he's also probably what like in his 60s or 70s so it's because he died when he was 68 so yeah, yeah. and so he uh he's like he goes how you know he then he says how often does your dad have you working out and they go 16 times a week and he's like huh and he's like you know you guys gotta cut it up a little you know we gotta have some fun would you like to hang out with me you know and then later um when they find out that he's not when he doesn't have cancer and they're kicking him out of the house chaz is coming down the stairs as royal is leaving and and royal says take it easy on those boys chazzy i don't want this to happen to you and it's such a profound statement because he's saying like 
Chaz, this distance between you and I is because I was a horrible father and everything you're doing to your kids right now is going to ca- could cause this same distance, you know, mm-hmm. because he's not letting them be kids. He's not giving them like a childhood or love and affection because of this horrible tragedy that happened. And I thought that that was a really powerful line that I'd never yeah, noticed before. Yeah, that is a powerful line, yeah. And then there's this part, and it's one of my favorite parts in the movie. I, I really love it, and it's so... It um it pulls at my heart's heartstrings, but it's when... um it's after the accident has happened buckley has died and uh royal brings the new dog spark plug over to chaz and chaz says i've had a rough year dad and royal is like i know i know and it's like finally seems like he was breaking down a little bit he's gonna start crying yeah it's like finally chaz has like finally he doesn't have to be totally in control Mm -hmm. right now and he's got his dad and they finally have like well he's always like the tough the guy and, too mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i and i just really love that moment it's so beautiful and it's so heartbreaking and it's just like a good culmination of just everything not just his year but his life you know and the life their relationship together and i really really love that moment and it's it's yeah. very good yeah i um i did write down that i liked when they came over to the uh, to ethelene's house and they were s- spending the night and and uh chaz was like i'm just gonna sleep on the floor yeah. and then the one kid went down and, and joined him and i was like oh that's it's so, so sweet and he like mimicked his laying he like put his <laughs> yeah, arms up i told so i love cute. that part as well i, I think know. that's so cute. it was like adorable yeah. and they're all wearing the same outfits <laughs> the tracksuits i was gonna note that um i I noted something that this movie is interesting in, in that all the characters are sort of like cartoon characters. Mm-hmm. They always have pretty much the same, <laughs> yeah, yeah, tiny like tiny rotation of wardrobe. Usually it's right. the same, but there's a small well, rotation. There's also like a there's like a recognizable thing. Like Margot has the clip. Yeah, Richie has the headband. Um, Chaz has the the track uh, the tracksuit. Yeah, so they all. I mean, and and I would Royals usually wearing a hat. You and know, it's like brown coat. Yeah, yeah. They all and then Ethelie. I don't really She's know. She's wearing like sort of like a pantsuit skirt suit sort of thing yeah yeah she's i love angela case i think this this might be this might be my favorite role of hers i think it's it's really great she's so versatile too like she is i like kind of temporarily forgot that she was an ever after you know what i mean i'm like oh yeah yeah, that's right she played the evil stepmother Mm -hmm. she's good in that too but yeah i I love her in this this, i love her in this movie because she's she's like a mom Mm -hmm. but she's also like I think that they did a really good job striking a balance of a very successful career woman, but also a good mother. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think that that's not always done in movies. Like, she's happy with her lot in life. She's successful in business or, you know, in her career, and she's successful at home. She's a good mother, and I I like that she... gorgeous oh my god (laughs) well and i was looking at like just the detailing on like the railing going Mm -hmm. down had this like um this intricate carved flowers in it and everything and i was i was like damn i want to live there (laughs) i i just i love i love a beautiful old house what can i say you know like it is a cool house it's like it's so it's great um going back to chaz and and royal uh well, so when they all go to the cemetery and Royal says there's another body buried there, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> he said, he said 
so insensitive. He said, who's Rachel? He's like, and, and Richie's like, Rachel's Chaz's wife. He goes, oh yeah, we got another body buried. Yes. No, 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 sorry, I'm, I'm messing it up. So he says when they're at the house, he's like, well, we'll swing by her grave too. Like, swing by. Right, right. Mike and I have talked about how funny that line is. And then he says, when when Chaz leaves the grandmother's grave, he's like, oh yeah, we got another body buried here. I know. He's so like rough I was around just the like, edges. Wow, so like disconnected. <laughs> like that was such a what did I say insensitive. That was such an insensitive thing to say. Like I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe he said that. We have another body buried here. <laughs> but then at the end of the movie, he's visiting her grave and he puts flowers on it. So I think that's also good growth. And yeah. Oh, what did you think about him when they had the flashback and he shoots Chaz with the BB gun? They're supposed to be on the oh, same yeah, team. Yeah. Like, I feel like I have to... I was going to say this at the beginning of the discussion, is that I think there's a lot of psychology in this movie that's slightly beyond me. Okay. You know, there's a lot of, like, deeper psycho- psychological things that I'm like, I don't know if I'm totally qualified to discuss. And one of the things that I'm questioning is why... Because they address it a couple times. Like, Chaz is like, why'd you shoot me? We're on the same team. Like, what? what is your take on that? Do you have any... So, okay, you're going to have to refresh my memory real quick. So, I know that they they were all fighting with the BB guns, and it was, like, it was Chaz and Royal versus, like, Richie and... And Eli Cash. And Eli, okay. Um, And then he, what... Royal just shot him. For Royal like, shoots. Royal shoots Chaz in the hand, and he gets like a BB lodged in his hand. He's like a child. Right, right, right. And Chaz is like, "Why'd you shoot me? We're on the same team." And he goes, "There are no teams." I think that. So I guess from um as I guess in my limited knowledge as a um person who enjoys psychology and has taken some psychology classes, uh, I would say. It kind of reminds me of the type of thing where someone is. I'm trying. I think there's like a specific example that I'm thinking of, but I I'm like can't quite grasp it. You know, I think it's the type of thing where maybe I don't know. Maybe like royal is the type of person who's like is like okay we're on the same team you can trust me but then he shoots him with a bb gun as if he's like never trust anyone oh, that's Chaz. Good. that I was like the that. first you know like that's yeah. the first rule or that's the first thing you gotta remember first mistake yeah or yeah something like that's that. good i like that yeah because yeah. i could see him that's I could, really good i mean because he is very manipulative so i could see him maybe saying like you shouldn't trust anyone even me you I know like that. that's, yeah that's i I think that that's a good... And I mean, uh, obviously... Well, and I think it's a favorite thing, too, because big he, time. he big time valued Richie and what Richie could do, like the physical yeah. uh, part of him over what Chaz is, like used his brain, you know, mm-hmm. um, over his brawn. And I think that maybe that was kind of like one of those things, too, like almost like a resentful type thing. Could like he's be. resenting his own kid, which is ridiculous because he's a child, so why are you resenting? hunting your child you know what i mean like maybe mm-hmm. you need to get help if that's what, how you're feeling about your he kid definitely probably should have gotten help. oh yeah yeah that's for damn sure uh, i would say after faking cancer i would say yeah. yeah um so i guess i guess that's my no that's good i think that that's really wise and i can totally see that yeah because he didn't really have an answer for it when chaz asked him right. as an adult yeah i think he's just i think that royal is 
he likes to have his children compete against each other, it seems, you know? And I think that maybe Chaz was, like, too soft, and he was trying to, like, toughen him up. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a gentle and soft person. Mm -hmm. So, it's, there's, there's one thing... It, like it's one thing to be a doormat it's a whole other thing to just be like a gentle person who doesn't want to fight you know what i mean yeah, yeah yeah and i think that maybe royal equated being gentle with being a doormat when that's not necessarily true you know it's like people who think that people who are introverts are shy like i am an introvert technically i'm not shy <laughs> you know like i am right. not a shy person at all i'm a very outgoing person and i'll pretty much talk to anyone um so but it always kind of irritates me when people are like you're not an introvert and i'm like yes i am i'm very much an introvert just because i'm not shy does not mean i'm an ex you know like i'm yeah it, and like trust me i love my alone time so <laughs> there's yeah so yeah i think that's my that's my answer that's good i like that that's a good answer thanks um so I like that Eli would, they didn't really get into his, like, family life, um, but I like that he sent, like, his clippings and his grades to Ethel, you know? And I, because it seems, because didn't he say later, like, I'd always wanted to be part of your family or something like that? So mm -hmm. it seemed like, like, Eli was a very lonely kid, and he saw someone who was, I'm going to say probably different from his mother, you know? And he gets that he lived with his aunt. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So he, like, different, you know, a, a, like a more caring, motherly, maternal figure. And I can understand, like, not having that and wanting to reach out. And, and I, you know, they say, like, Richie later seemed like he got kind of pissed at him for doing that. But I also think part of it has to do with Margot. Um, but... To me, it just was kind of just sad. Like, I was like, you know, he's Eli just wants someone to appreciate his work. And obviously, Eli's had a lot of his troubles on his own because he had to go to rehab because he had a drug <laughs> issue. So, um, you know, I mean, I am i don't really even know what masculine is. Um, I don't know either. It's, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was maybe like a prescription <laughs> like when he first said yeah, it I, I thought know. maybe it was like a prescription I like had no idea and then they were later like oh yeah that's a drug and I was like oh shit I thought maybe it was like an opiate but I didn't actually I've never yeah. looked it up but Let's look um, it up. I'm gonna look it up real quick right, we're gonna, while we're doing this oh, okay so it is a naturally occurring psychedelic um known for its hallucinogenic effects compared to that of LSD and uh psilocybin psilocybin oh okay is that shrooms mm -hmm. okay it occurs naturally in the san san pedro cactus oh well it's a naturally occurring product <laughs> i wanted to talk about about eli i'm so glad you brought cocaine. him up so <laughs> but you know yeah no i would never it, that stuff will <laughs> rot your brain oh um, yeah i'll fuck up your life so i wanted to talk about eli because i, I think it's interesting that so him and Richie are best friends. He lives across the street from the Tenenbaums. And like you said, he always wanted to be part of the family. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that he like sends Ethelene his clippings and her and his grades. And then he said he calls Margot gross for being in love with Richie. He's like, you're in love with Richie and that's sick and gross. And I was like, but you want to be like you would give anything to switch places with Richie. And right. You're sleeping with her. So it's like, I mean, I know that it's not the same, but it's kind of interesting that he says it's sick and gross but he really 
doesn't i don't even know if he really likes her he just wants to be part of the family right and so i think that's interesting there's something there and i i don't know if i can fully put it into words but it's like you want to be Eveline's son and you're sleeping with her daughter too you know what i mean yeah so i think that that's interesting and i i really like how he tries so hard to be a genius and he ha- he he's become a writer that's had some success but he reads like you you come up when you first meet his character as an adult you're in a book reading and he's reading his book and it sounds not very good you know he's like in the frisculating dusk light and then he's walking with uh this is one of my favorite lines in the movie and it's uh he's walking with like journalists and doing like a walking interview and he's like everyone knows that custer died at the battle of little bighorn but what this book presupposes is maybe he didn't (laughs) i just think it's so ridiculous and then he's so I, yeah and then he gets a call and he like signs someone's book and he signs it so lackadaisically it's like if somebody if a famous person signs something for me like that i'd be like thanks asshole <laughs> and um thanks for the scribble buddy so buddy <laughs> yeah he definitely has a drug problem mm-hmm. and he definitely has just a problem like psychological problems and i think it's it's interesting that him and margo are having an affair because chat or richie sends him that like ship to shore message from the like cruise ship he's on that he's in love with margo and then eli tells margo i know and i think eli just knows that they're probably in love with each other because when they were kids margo and richie ran away to like the national archives and they wouldn't let eli come with him and stuff you know (laughs) right right and uh so i think it's it's an interesting story also often when he's on screen like the clash is playing which i thought is an interesting character trait and i'm not sure oh i didn't i didn't notice that but i like in the car when he goes when he's driving with margo it's playing like you can hear it lightly on the radio and then when he's um i think he's snorting something probably mescaline and he's saying like i don't even know how you toot in common and the guy's like touch in common and he's like touch in common as he's like taking hard drugs when when um they come in to like intervene and he runs off and so i don't know uh i think it's an interesting tidbit i guess that the clash is playing when he's on screen yeah i don't i don't know maybe he's it's because he's a punk (laughs) (laughs) no i don't know um do you okay so i i actually want to talk about margo okay so first of all i did i not catch i don't know if i i just didn't catch this how old was she when she met raleigh 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 st Clair. yeah played by bill murray (laughs) by the way i was like wow bill murray looks great with a beard (laughs) i love his character can i i'm just gonna interrupt you one second so there's two parts that he three parts that he has in this movie that are my absolute favorite so he's working with dudley and dudley's supposed to rearrange the blocks and he goes (laughs) he just goes it's so benign but i love it he goes where's that red one gonna go (laughs) so random and then later in the movie um when he's sitting in the garden with Margot, and he's like are you gonna ever come back and she's like i don't know maybe not and he goes well i want to (laughs) die i I thought that response about other like inconveniences in my life it's like a line that i say in my head sometimes and then, no, it's like um, when something slightly inconveniences you, you're like, I can't believe this is happening to me of all people <laughs> in the world, and I want to just die. And then there's a part where somebody asks him a question about Dudley, and they're like, Can can he tell time? And he goes, Oh my lord, no. <laughs> and there's other things. 
sorry i broke i i'm interrupting your story about or your talk about margo but anyway i don't know i know she's probably uh probably she i think she's like 34 right now in the movie like when the movie is taking place so like it's kind of assumed that she was like maybe 32 or because i think richie had his breakdown like two years before the movie takes place okay and 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 when he was having his breakdown the commentators at the tennis match said that she was a newlywed she had just married so i don't know how long they were together before they got married but maybe late 20s early 30s when she met him okay okay because it seemed like she was pretty much cheating on him throughout their entire relationship (laughs) is that kind of what you're (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah, i love it i love it they're looking through the file and it's like crosstown bus A Staten Island Ferry or whatever. I can't remember the specifics, but it's like like she's she like met a guy in a ferry. She met a guy in a bus. She met a guy on a train. Yeah. Like, yeah, she's like plane trains and automobiles. I guess you know. <laughs> yeah, there's one in a taxi. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, uh, I I I think that men seem to be very drawn to Margot because of how just she's just really enigmatic yeah you know mm-hmm. and i think and they say that they don't really know a lot about her because she's so private she's such an intensely private person and i think that she's just kind of like this fascinating almost like this just, just this like fascinating creature that people are i don't know maybe like they want to possess it or like possess her or something i think that makes you sense know? Yeah. yeah and mm-hmm. and i i think that maybe like Richie was one of the very few people to kind of see her for what she was rather than just being this mysterious figure you know because eventually that mystery is going to go away and you're going to realize that this is a real person and you know and like she's and I, I like how she was like always in the bathroom just like smoking and like she was like very deft with like her toes and stuff like that and yeah and uh I like that. Yeah and, and I think I, I feel bad for Riley because it strikes me as um Maybe just the type of relationship where she wasn't even really into him or in love with him. I think she definitely had daddy issues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I... I mean, that's pretty much (laughs) how I would deduce their relationship right away. Yeah. 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 I mean, he was older than her, you know. He's... Quite um, a bit older. Right. And and that was uh, definitely, like, not a pairing I would ever think of putting together. You know what I mean? I'd never be like, oh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Bill Murray. And if someone had told me that before I watched this movie, I'd be like, (laughs) oh, oh my gosh, you're serious. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Are you sure? Are you sure? You sure? (laughs) Yeah, no, I... I, It was a weird... Uh, Well, when she, like, put on a play on her 11th birthday and Royal was like, uh, I don't know. I mean, oh, what character? It was all face. just kids and in costumes. And then she's that like, made me, that like made me she left, so angry because I was like, how dare you? She, like, she just did this awesome she, thing. She's eleven. She left the room and or she's starting to leave the room. And Royal's like, it's just one man's opinion. And it's like one man. <laughs> yeah, like it's your father's opinion. <laughs> one man, like the most probably the most important man to her in her world. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just one man's opinion. I know. Because if I was her, and I mean, even now as an adult, 35 years old, if I had put on a play and my father had said that, mm-hmm. I would be like crushed. Devastated. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, excuse me. I would probably be like, excuse me, have you put on a play? No? Then shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, well, I mean, I wouldn't talk to my dad like that, but... 
inside i would be thinking that (laughs) i'd be like yeah there'd be a big old like fuck you um but yeah as a kid so you process that and then it seems like she she kind of just didn't even really do much after that right or did she put she i'm like why am i I just watched this movie today and my mind is so well she wrote some plays but i don't i don't remember what what age she sort of stopped writing plays right so i i mean i've seen the movie multiple times and i don't even remember that detail so okay. i don't think okay. you should feel guilty okay um but i i do like, like my, my memory is like as good as a goldfish i like when uh she she when she was 14 she ran away to meet her birth family and they were like wearing prairie clothes <laughs> and that They're was like one Nicks. of the that was owen and luke wilson wilson's brother that played her oh, really? like, birth father yeah really? he's like he's like put your hand out or put that wood down right there and then he chopped a part of her finger off yeah that <laughs> i was, know and he's then, like, in the movie bottle it? rocket as oh well. is he mm-hmm. yeah i know that there's the third a- andrew, there's a third wilson brother his name is andrew yeah i think so that yeah makes sense. i think you're I have a little uh, internet machine next to me, but I just can't be bothered, I guess. <laughs> it's like uh, the third Hemsworth brother. Everyone's like, oh, there's a third one? I didn't know that. Yes, his name is... Yep, Andrew Wilson. Andrew Cunningham I Wilson. I cannot remember the other Hemsworth. Isn't Andrew also? <laughs> Chris. Chris Liam and... Chris Liam and other one. <laughs> yeah, he was in Westworld. Oh, okay. Because I, I didn't remember. know he was an actor. I was watching the show and I was like, that guy looks just like a Hemsworth and I was like that's so weird and then I was like okay I have to look this up so I looked it up and I was like oh he is a Hemsworth <laughs> that's why he looks like one because yeah. the whole time I was like that guy fucking looks just like Chris Hemsworth this is too weird because he's their brother and because yeah I mean that yeah. makes sense because he's one uh but yeah he yeah he's a little bit of an actor but he don't, he's not a little know. bit yeah a little bit I really like so I think you're right about Margot being eti- enigmatic and she's also, in terms of the characters in the movie, she's a, a woman of few words, except for with mm-hmm. Richie. And I think that's also why men are drawn to her, because she seems so indifferent that you almost have to, like, fight for her pleasure. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that is, is, like, so... It's a very common thing for women like that, I think, where they're just, like never happy so you're like working overtime to try to try to please them and and um but i I like women are attracted to men like that too where they're like oh you're not interested in me but it's there there's a song that um in crazy ex-girlfriend where she is singing about how this guy that she's dating this guy that she's obsessed with gives her love kernels so he'll be like yeah he'll be like hey you look nice today and she'll be like oh my god i'm gonna survive on this love kernel for the next three days yeah. you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i think it's probably the type of thing where Margot is like oh you look nice today and then they're just like she complimented me and she loves me yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and so they hold on to it and but you know i think that that would be a really difficult person to have a relationship with because where's the trust you know like you don't know each other exactly you know i think i think that's exactly it like that's why she's probably why she's or that's why she's cheating on raleigh and that's why her and raleigh don't have a good relationship but i also really like how she when she's in the so i want to talk about the scene where she's in the tent with richie after he's attempted suicide Mm -hmm. and she's like a normal she's like a very vulnerable and real person with him and that's the first time we really see her that way the whole movie yeah and she's she's just talking to him basically and and she's and then when she starts crying so they 
she he shows her his scars his his oh, those on are his nasty. wrist and she's just like she starts sort of crying and then he says you know like i'm in love with you and 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 then they kiss and then they lay down on his little cock she's like let's lay down for a bit and she's laying there and i think it's a really beautiful moment and i think it's maybe one of gwyneth paltrow's best acting moments and she's like um are you gonna are you gonna do it again are you gonna attempt suicide again and he's like probably not and she silently cries and it's so heartbreaking but in like it's heartbreaking in a hopeful way because you're like finally we're seeing margo which Mm -hmm. richie knew who margo was the whole time you know right and i really like that and also there's something in this scene that i really really love and i think it's so well done so when he comes into the like area because so his so royal was set up in in richie's room so he has a tent set up in like the ballroom which, which by the way i love so cute <laughs> i agree i totally agree like i wanted like a an adult sized tent, yes. and you just put a bunch of stuff in and yeah it. <laughs> really and fun. um and she and he he comes in the tent and she's like i'm just listening to records and so she starts a record and it's it's a rolling stones record and it starts on a song that's just like just like a light music bed in the background and while they're having this exposition and this conversation and this emotional moment this music is playing and i think it's so cool because it's leading up to the song that's actually gonna be the focus which i think i'm pretty sure was is ruby tuesday Mm -hmm. but they spend all this time talking and being emotional with this music bed and then their conversation ends as the song that I'm pretty sure Wes Anderson actually wanted to feature sort of start. So it's all very natural. Like it's a natural soundtrack. And I think that that's so cool and I love it. And I just, I don't know. It's like, you don't even think about it, but no, it, and I didn't think about that either. I think that's but so cool, yeah. It's so easy to just like, and this movie does it a lot where it's just like music as emphasis. And I think that that's awesome. Like I don't have any problem with it, but I think also the, I thought the soundtrack it, was really good to do it this way where it's just like the next song on the record I thought was so neat and and i and it's just the song was a really good song for the moment and and um and then anyway i like when she's crying and then i like when she so she gets up and she leaves the tent and she just says i think we're gonna have to be secretly in love with each other which is like beautiful but really sad but it is really like, sad you yeah know, and, and and um i just really love that moment between them and and i didn't understand why it had to be kept secret is that, is that something I missed or I I'm thinking it's just because it's it's kind of taboo even though they're not blood related <laughs> but I like when Richie so Richie goes oh so Royal in an effort to like improve himself because he was oh we didn't mention this but he was getting kicked out of the hotel that he lived in so that's yeah. another reason why he had to move in at Ethelene's house yeah because he needed a place to live um, he had j- but he like got, if he had just been honest it, it, she probably would have been like. Okay. I don't think she would have. You don't think so? No. no. <laughs> He's too much of a son of a bitch. Yeah, I guess I guess there's a big difference between like, oh, you're alive versus like, oh, you're dying. Of course you can come yeah. in. Because like, of course you don't want like someone that even if you're angry at them or like your relationship isn't as good, there's still someone that you did love at one point, you know, when you have yeah. children together. I mean, if, so. your ex, if your ex came to your house and was like, I don't do anything for a living, but I'm getting kicked out. Can I live here? You'd be like, no, you're a grown man. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. I would probably laugh and then slam the door to his face. I'd be right. like, that's like, hilarious. You could have been living here the whole time, but you chose to leave. Like, man, be a jerk. You, you but- gave me bad bugs. <laughs> anyway, 
So he gets a job at the hotel in an effort to improve himself as like the <laughs> elevator operator. And Richie comes and talks to him. And there's there's a moment where uh, so Richie because earlier in the movie Royals like why'd you choke on that tennis match like his final professional tennis match he choked because Margo was in the audience with Raleigh St Clair and 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 so. Richie's like, you asked me why I choked that day. And then we don't get to see the conversation, but we mm-hmm. see the aftermath around the roof of the hotel. And Royal says, and Royal says something like, she's your sister. And Richie's like, well, not technically. <laughs> and Royal's like, it's still frowned upon. But then what isn't these days, right? <laughs> And I'm like, he's always contrary. I, I like Royal, despite like what an asshole he is. Yeah. He does make me laugh a lot. Yeah. Like he's kind of ridiculous, you know? Like earlier in the movie, there's a scene where him and uh, Ethelene are walking through a park and he's like, I just want to tell you, you did a, a really great job raising the kids. And she goes, thanks. But lately I'm starting to think maybe I failed them. And he goes, no, I'm the one that failed. And then he goes, or anyway, it's nobody's fault. Like, he won't actually take the blame yeah. for failing. He, he's, like, trying, trying to be like, no, you're a good mother, but doesn't want to say that he's a bad dad. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> right. Well, it's nobody's fault. I mean, it's mine, but, exactly. you know, nobody's really guilty here. Um, he, he was funny. He... Uh, I think it's like the same thing where um, as like not okay where there's like an unlikable protagonist but you still kind of yes. like them you yeah. know what I mean like you're yeah. despite him being an asshole you still are kind of rooting for Royal you want him to be safe and yeah. you know let, you don't want him to be on the streets you know um, by the way that hotel that he was living in was noise <laughs> I was like <laughs> wow that is a nice hotel like I'm like I was like, damn! I'd be I'd be devastated for being kicked out of there. I'd be like, but it's so beautiful here. What am I gonna go live in a red roof in? I can't. <laughs> you know? I like it. Yeah, I like how he's like so concerned about his encyclopedias as well. Where are my encyclopedias? They've been put into storage. <laughs> I so I want to talk about pagoda. <laughs> so. He said Pagoda saved his life, but <laughs> After the <laughs> reason why Pagoda saved his life was because he stabbed him. And then later, <laughs> and then later they get kicked out, and Pagoda's like a little like, like Swiss a, Army like knife. A tinker. And he's like, where, where, where? Like, and he stabs, like, he stabs Royal yeah. really quick. Like, I mean, it's goes, so tiny, it doesn't really do much damage, but he's like, he's like cleaning his wound later. But I was like, how does he trust Pagoda enough? First of all, that's not a name. Isn't that like a thing? That's like a structure. Isn't Pagoda structure? <laughs> sure, yeah, but Royal is a title. I don't know. I guess that's true. That's true. I like how... It's like, a, 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 it really annoyed me when everyone was naming their kid Khaleesi because I was like, Khaleesi is not a name. It is a title. Like, <laughs> did you watch the fucking show, Game of Thrones? You know? I'm just saying anything can be a name. That's true. Know? That's true. Um, what, I, is it, what is a... Isn't doesn't Jason leave like a really weird like a kid? Yeah, it's pilot like, inspector. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like in Shannon's awesome. I think is really one a weird one too. Oh, whatever, really? Whatever, yeah. I don't know. Well, good Peltro's kid's name is Apple. See, Apple's not that weird. Apple's kind of cute, but like I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I like. I, I guess love you're it right. Anything could be a name. He's telling uh, uh, um, Ari and Uzi, and he's like. Yeah, and you know who stabbed me? And he points at him. And then later when, when Pagoda stabs him and he's like, That's the last time you put a knife in me. 
I know. Pagoda's but like Pagoda's, Pagoda's because Pagoda's losing his job. Like, yeah, because Pagoda helped him lie about having cancer, so he got kicked out. Right, with Royal. understandable. Like, yeah, but then I mean, Royal arranges it so he can get his job back. Which is <laughs> just nice. like the stabbing. Like he's just like, <laughs> like, it's like it was so quick that you that I almost. But was, I like when he op- like he t- he goes through and opens it. Yeah, he opens <laughs> the knife and then he stabs it. I know. So you're like, you're like, wait, what did I just watch? Did she just stab him? Like, yes, he sure did. The second time in his life. I would say, you know, I say maybe you shouldn't be friends with someone the first time they stab you. But the second time they stab you, you should definitely not be should friends. Should it. But he had it coming. I think that's also one of the reasons why Royal is likable is because... He knew he had it coming. <laughs> you know, he knows he's an asshole. Yeah, he was yeah. like maybe. There's a nice, <laughs> there's a nice moment when they're when they're at the cemetery the first time, and he sees a, a headstone that's like very heroic. It's like he died saving, or he died on a, I don't remember what it was, like a lighthouse fire. I don't remember what it was. It was something really heroic, and he's like, oh, it's a great headstone. I wish it was mine. And so he's so wistful, like he wants. And he, then he knows that his life hasn't necessarily been like the most brave courageous heroic and notable life <laughs> but i love his headstone later yeah, i like, love it too what was it saved from like a wrecking from a, a burn what is it it's um i had it <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to misquote it so i want to um let's see here it's on the wikipedia page so i'm just gonna read it it says he it's on here somewhere i just saw it i wanted to oh it says died tragically rescuing his family from the wreckage of a destroyed sinking battleship (laughs) and i think allegorically i like it you know i think it's funny yeah i think it's it's funny that i like how some of might come across that later like years and years later and be like wow that's so heroic but it didn't ever actually happen yeah 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 it's uh allegorically maybe it happened but not in real life right right yeah there's a scene that i really wanted to talk about that okay um that i really like and so he's he's back in the house they still think he has cancer and um he want he sort of coer I think this was the scene. I think what happens is he coerces uh, Ari and Uzi to ask Chaz to see him, and Chaz gets mad. And I think that's when I or no. Anyway, there's a moment where Chaz and him have like a, a heated discussion, and Chaz pulls him into a closet, and they turn the light on. It's just full of board games, which every I feel like every house has like a board game closet, and and Royal is like so enamored with it. He's like, I haven't been here in years. Oh, yeah, he's that like, was so crazy. Excited. There's like hundreds of board games yeah, in there, and he's so excited to be in the game room. And then later, him and Pagoda are having like a secret meeting, and they're in the game closet, so he's like made it his like little office, and I like how enamored he was at the game closet. Me too. It's like the little things that I I would assume, um, it's like when you're an adult, and you go to college, or you move out of your parents' house, and you come back, and you're like, oh, the game closet. Yeah. Like, it's a staple of your child, and you don't think anything of it when you're living there, but when Mm -hmm. you're not living there, it's like oh man all their games you know yeah yeah i like that he um like he he was like oh wow this closet and then Chaz leaves and he like turns back on the light to like look around more yeah he he was really enamored with it it was it was cool um i do not have a board game closet neither do my parents so Mm. uh, um, we had a board game cupboard it was um, in a closet but we definitely had a place where we stored all kinds of board games he just wants so much attention today. Oh. I still hear him purring. 
Um, I also like, there was a scene, so right before he got kicked out, he said, you know, I just want to say that this has been the best six days of my life. And Alec Baldwin, the narrator, says, you know, as he was saying, as Royal was saying that sentence, he realized it was true. And I like that on two levels, because one of them, you're like, oh, okay, so he's said a bunch of things in his life that are not true. Like, he just says things. Because he obviously was just saying that until, as he was saying it, he realized it was true. And I think also it illustrates just growth. Like, oh, he really missed his family. He missed being in the center of it. He missed all of that, you know. And I thought that that was a really cool subtext of that that line yeah he also calls them boy like he calls them children and boys the whole time for example when chaz chases eli around the house and into the garden in the house like after eli crashed his car into the house and killed the dog and almost killed chaz's children um there they sort of he th- chaz throws eli over the, the <laughs> wall into the the neighbor's property yeah and royal knocks on the door and he's like hi can we get to your garden i think we got a couple boys over there and i'm like boys these are full-grown men but he would call them like my darlings my children you right. know the whole movie and i thought that that was interesting as well did you ever see um eat pray love thankfully no yeah it wasn't that good <laughs> i wouldn't recommend it um uh, but I, there was, I think it was Javier Bardem. This was like the first movie I was exposed to Javier Bardem. And he would get phone calls from his children and he called all his children darling, which I thought was oh. the cutest, most endearing thing in the world. Yeah. He's like, yes, darling, of course, darling. Okay. And I'd just be like, listen to him talk. And I'd be like, that is so fucking adorable. That is so cute. That's really the only thing I remember that other than James Franco being in it. And this was before I didn't like James Franco. So, but yeah, uh, no, I wouldn't recommend it. I was just going to say that one part because it reminded me yeah. of the Royal Ten of Moms. But, <laughs> um, it is very sweet. Yeah, like the term, yeah, especially in terms of endearment from a father. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot more rare. So yeah, it I does, love it. Stands out. Like I still love when my mom calls me baby. You know, like I think it's really endearing and it makes me like it warms my heart. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, I'm your baby. <laughs> like I know I'm a grown up woman, but a I'm baby. your baby. I'm just a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about the suicide scene. Mm-hmm. I thought I really like how it was shot. I like how they use the Elliot Smith song and the blue color and then there's like the quick cuts of like other moments in the movie and then like weird cuts where you see like his wrist bleeding. What did you think of that scene? Um it was intense. Like he, you know, he's cutting off all his hair, you know, taking off his um his headband which was driving me crazy the whole entire movie because i was like why are you still wearing that and you're, you know what i mean like it's I, his cartoon costume yeah you're yeah. right you're right you, you i think you hit the the nail on the head on that one i feel like i just i've already said that today but you know whatever sometimes you need to have you know more than one nail idiom or whatever um <clears throat> uh and uh <laughs> So I was just thinking, there's like a, there's, did you ever see the Pink Panther with Steve Martin? No. Okay. There's, there's a scene where he is um, talking to someone about a, a guy that gets killed and he's trying to figure out like who killed this dude. And it's a really, it's a really ridiculous movie. There's two of them. They're both really ridiculous, but I really like the first one. But um, he's talking to one of the guys that 
is uh, like the guy's a football coach, and so he's talking to one of the guys that's on the team, and and he's like, well, what did you think of the football coach? And the guy goes, oh, I'm glad that he's pushing up daisies, and he's like, he's like, he is not pushing up daisies, he is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the player goes, it's an idiom, and <laughs> Inspector Clouseau, who's played by Steve Martin, goes, it is you that is the idiom. Just like Ronnie. Anyway, um, I liked that when I was younger. I don't know how I feel about it now, but I'm pretty sure I still own the movies. But anyway, um, I, it was kind of like beautiful in like a dark way. Yeah. You know? Big time. Um, You're right with like the blue and then the contrast of the red blood. Um, It was just like very, like, because he's, so he's cutting off all his hair and he's he's cutting off his beard and everything. And I thought like, geez, there's a handsome man under there. (laughs) Yeah, he is a handsome. They're both, the brothers are both handsome. I actually, um, I'm kind of curious as, as if they're like, they're half brothers or they're full blooded brothers because they always look to me like they were not fully blood related, you know? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just curious about that. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so I, I mean, he's obviously like having a breakdown you know he's he's cutting off all his hair which i think is probably symbolic of like maybe shedding the past or whatever uh but then he says he he says in the mirror like i'm gonna kill myself tomorrow or he whispers it to himself so it was like shocking when he started to do it then because i i was like i thought you're gonna wait until tomorrow you know like yeah that line actually I read about that line. It's just some, I think, if I remember correctly, I read this a while ago, not recently. It was just some poetic line, and I think it was Wes Anderson that saw it somewhere and wanted him to say it, but doesn't really have any bearing. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, like, such a... I mean, I, I think that any person who is of a healthy mental state finds out that someone that they loved had been sleeping with your best friend i don't think that suicide would be the first answer that they would go to you know um but i also think that richie is dealing with a lot you know he's dealing with a he was like on top of the world and now he's kind of like not he's nothing like no one really knows him and and there's i mean there isn't there like a part later where someone recognize him and they're like really hey. yeah yeah when he gets off the boat yeah and yeah, he's waiting so, for Margot. They're like, hey, Bonner, can I get a, a photo or whatever? Which yeah. is great, but I think that it's different when it's a fan from your past versus now knowing that like you likely are probably not going to be ever that successful again. Um, and then this is... So he, you know, he goes on this trip, or he's going on this this trip to. It just sounds like he's trying to get away. Like it's a very, very much like Tristan from Legends of the Fall vibe, you know, with him like leaving. He's huh. just like, I'm done. I I can't I can't stay here. I have to go, you know. And uh, so I, I think I, I I think that it seemed right for the character to have that reaction but i think it was such it was just like a lot and it was very sad because it's not because i was i was expecting him to 
wait <laughs> like wait and then kill himself the next day but then you know so because it's it's like okay if you're if you're feeling like you've you're you're suicidal just wait you know like maybe tomorrow will be better whatever you know i don't know i'm not i i don't i don't know how to to deal with that that's a really heavy subject um but it, i think it was well done that's what basically yeah, i like that scene a lot as well and i think I felt like he probably left because he knew that there wasn't, you know, like, any future between him and Margot. Well, first of all, she got married. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was safety for him, like, after the initial shock and disappointment and just continuing years of disappointment that he loves this woman who he can probably never be with even if she wasn't married just because they were raised as siblings and, 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 um... I think that he, there was sort of a safety in the fact that she was married to someone so boring and older mm-hmm. for him. And then, which I did think Rally was boring <laughs> at all. Well, I think if you're Richie and you're in love with a beautiful woman, to see her sort of caged by kind of an old intellectual instead of out with like like all these hot people would probably feel like okay, well, if she has to be married to someone, at least she's married to this person. Yeah, yeah. And um and I think that I <laughs> like it's better than really, like her being like this is my husband, he's a male model. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Like yeah. and he's like I'm 6 foot 5 and have like eight abs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like not even 6, he has eight. <laughs> and um so I really like when Raleigh and Richie are on the roof and Raleigh's like I think she's having an affair and Richie just like punches a window. <laughs> like he gets so pissed. And um I but know. then but then they're looking through the file and seeing all of the people that she's been with and that she was married to a Jamaican recording artist for like five days and then and that she's cheating with Eli and I think it's just overwhelming because not only can he not really be with her but she's with all kinds of people and and then his best friend who knows that he's in love with her to boot and and so there's really no safety with Raleigh like he can't even be like well at least she's married to this boring guy he's like it doesn't even matter she's with all kinds of guys and none of them are me and and (laughs) well and also like even being married is not tying her down to um like she's not yeah she's not practicing fidelity i guess yeah. is the word is which how to can say make that. you yeah. feel like you're like everything is on shaky ground as well like, oh yeah does anything time. mean anything to her is anything you know matter to her it doesn't she and doesn't strike me as just i think that she's just maybe richie's always been the love of her life it and seems everyone like else is just yeah everyone else is just kind of like um meh, you're just an interest to pass the time yeah here's someone i can be with for now i don't have any i don't really want to continue this i just wanted to make out with you on this bus Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so yeah yeah and i really i did really like when oh that was another thing in the tent that i liked he's like i learned about your husband she's like oh desmond and i thought it was cute that she just like said his name and spoke about him like like Mm. a real person would talk about him because with anybody else in the movie she's just kind of like what husband you know what i mean she's just not she doesn't converse like that and she's like he i was i met him in the ocean he came out to me in a canoe and i thought that was like a really cute like little detail yeah Yeah, and she said they were only married for five days but um i i did laugh when they looked through the file and raleigh when they closed it raleigh was like 
she smokes and like smoking is like this mega secret in her life and i think that it's interesting and sort of comical that she has this very very secret life but smoking is the thing that she's most like secretive and ashamed of yeah and i think that that's a funny detail but yeah i really i really thought the suicide scene is really powerful and really done very coolly and uh, um and it's so sad and it's so intense and and i think that the culmination of that just that love story and those years of emotions and just what richie is going through i think it's it's interesting that it culminated in the suicide attempt and then later at royal's funeral when she's sort of sharing an umbrella with him and leaning her chin on his shoulder i thought that was really sweet too so it's like maybe they don't have to be secretly in love with each other you know i think fuck society go for it i think that i think since they're not blood relatives <laughs> yeah uh, go for it i yeah I if they were like would real never, siblings i'd be like board. i don't get on board with like incest because i think that that's like <laughs> I it, hope so. that psychological i think there's issues there um but just beyond movie, the fact that their children would be totally well, you, you want to keep genetic diversity but mm-hmm. in just in a movie where everything is quirky and they're not portrayed at all as blood relatives i'm like yeah they should be together <laughs> yeah well and they don't really ever act like siblings either they always kind of act like they were right, you know yeah. their friends or whatever um but i i think you're you were really spot on with the whole like royal announcing that she's adopted because it it just made the audience feel more comfortable with her and richie being together because mm-hmm. i i was rooting for them i wanted yeah. them to be together i didn't see mm-hmm. a problem with it i was like you know what you're a grown-ass adult sure you were raised together but you're not related so if you're in love with each other just do it go for it because like why you're gonna spend the rest of your life miserable and being with right. other people that you don't give a shit about who cares then you're not related go right. for it yeah you know? you're really not doing anything yeah. wrong like or illegal if, or whatever right know? and if like society looks down on you well society's gonna look down on you for any number of reasons you yeah. might as well just be happy <laughs> you know like that's what i say because it's like wearing pants <laughs> like women were not allowed to wear pants for the longest time and then some woman was like and i don't remember what her name was but she was just like fuck all you i am going to fucking wear a pair of fucking pants if i fucking want to and then she did and she went to prison for it or jail for it so nice <laughs> but you know what if it weren't for women like her i would not be sitting in a pair of pants right now Me so neither god bless her whatever her name was <laughs> we 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 honor this woman who is nameless. <laughs> she definitely I has also, a name, but I just don't remember what it is. I also wanted to talk about a brief scene where um, on the morning of the wedding, uh, Ben Stiller, Chaz, is in the room with Henry. And, and Henry's like, oh, this is my son. And his son is there. And and um, Henry and, and Chaz bond over both being widowers. And it's mm-hmm. a really sweet moment where... Chaz is like, oh, I, I forgot you're a widower. I'm a widower, too. And Henry just sort of puts his hand on his shoulder, and he's like, I know. And I thought that was really sweet, because, like... I loved Henry. Yeah, Henry is being, you know, Henry is already being enveloped into the family, and Royal is sort of given his blessing by finally granting the divorce to Ethelene, and and it's just very sweet, and, and I thought that that was a cool moment. But I, I mentioned this early in the movie, but I want to just focus on it a little bit more, and I liked when henry and royal were were after everything had happened they're walking to the neighbor's house to try to get Chaz and eli and and royal's like 
Henry, I, I just feel really awful if if you think that I'm an asshole. And Henry's like, I don't think I don't think you're an asshole, Royal. I just think you're kind of a son of a bitch. And Royal <laughs> says, Well, I really appreciate that. <laughs> So I like that even the two of them have yeah, made I like peace, Royal. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I mean, really, I don't think there's anyone in this movie that I didn't like, at least a little bit, exactly. you know? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that, like, Chaz is my favorite. I didn't really, like, love Eli, but I still like them because, you know, Chaz is, first of all, Chaz is not himself. He's going through something really, really rough, and he's clearly traumatized from it and losing his wife he's terrified of losing his kids it's un- it's totally understandable um and then eli was i mean eli's not really himself either because he's on drugs the whole time mm-hmm. you know so it's yeah it's very i think it's it's an interesting view to look at all these characters and say despite their flaws or their personality you know whatever that even if they mess up you still care about them because at the end of the day they're just people you yeah. know mm-hmm. i i think it's a very i think it's a very like human portrayal you know and i yeah. i love movies like that that have a very human portrayal i think that's why like american beauty is one of my favorites because it's just a very human thing and everyone goes through something similar you know we've all experienced loss and trauma even if it's wasn't like a big you know it's it's still like we can empathize and identify with these characters yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, there's something else i want to say oh um about the cigarettes thing when she (laughs) when uh margo like picked up the brick and she had like the hollowed out brick and she had the cigarettes in there man i want to smoke a cigarette just just one just one i think i actually have one in my drawer and i might smoke it later nice i like that scene. i have to eat before i do it though or else i can get sick oh yeah yeah it's a good shot with where she lights a cigarette for her and richie and they both smoke and i i really like that moment as i well. know yeah. smoking looks so cool in movies it does look cool gwyneth paltrow looks so cool smoking. can't deny it i know it's awesome yeah. i know it's like it's horrible and it stinks to high heaven but it is just like man I'm like, damn, you look cool smoking. (laughs) But I don't really think it even stinks. I'm just like a normal person who smokes. It doesn't bother me at all, actually. I should take you to my parents' house. If you go in the garage, reeks of cigarettes and it stinks. Like, trust me, if you went in there, you'd be like, well, like, oh, I mean, nicotine can get into like the walls and stuff. Mm. But I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. In normal life, like sometimes Michael have a cigarette, and I think it like it smells kind of like relaxing. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> no, I get it. The ones I that like I it. have are and like natural, kinda, and yeah, yeah. They're um, I'm not I'm not a smoker generally. Um, I might do it maybe once a year. Like mm-hmm. literally, that's how much. It's not it's not often at all. And uh, last time, I was just like really craving a cigarette. So I went and I was going to go buy them and the guy was like, yeah, it's $10. And I go, you know what? I'm good. Thank you very much. And I just left. I was I like, know. I, I don't know not how people $10 can afford to a smoking habit. It's, cr- it's insane. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's gone up considerably oh, yeah. since Big you know time. i mean i was like a teenager it was like three or four dollars when we were teenagers you know yeah and then it's like <laughs> just rocketed up but you know it's not a bad thing i guess if people can't afford cigarettes and that means they can't smoke and smoking is not great anyway so yeah i don't know it's 
it's just one of those things i guess yeah but it always just looks so cool in movies it does look cool i just always want to yeah have a sense like whenever i used to watch Mad Men like very casually i think i watched maybe the first season and every time they'd smoke i'd be like damn they look so cool smoking you know <laughs> like especially yeah. especially john ham because he's just got this like chill vibe and then like, he's got he's, a very vintage yeah like cool he's like look. right he's like confident and cool and he's kind of sexy and you're like mm, look at that cigarette <laughs> <You know? laughs> anyway um would you recommend this movie i would yeah, I think I liked it. I I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, and I'm glad that I did. So me too, because I was texting Mike multiple times today. I'm like, Lauren hasn't said anything about the movie, and that usually means she hates it. I don't know what I'm gonna do if she hates it. I'll be so sad if she hates it. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying so to get I better about it tonight. And I said, Lauren likes it, and he said, She swerved you. <laughs> I said, Yes, you are getting practicing such restraint. i know it's it's hard yeah. um it's really really hard like not okay was really hard to not like but the tell thing you is, that the thing is and i i mean this in the best way you texted me a brief comment about i'm getting buffalo vibe for buffalo vibes from this and i was like she likes the movie <laughs> because when you text <laughs> me when you text me about the movie i usually it's usually 99% of the time when you text me about the movie it's because you like the movie and so you like <laughs> damn it and then when you don't text me about the movie a lot of the time most of the time 99.9% of the time it's because you don't like the movie but you didn't really text me about Prey Mm-mm. and you didn't text me about this one at all mm-hmm. but I can't I also watched it at like 2pm so I, I didn't have a lot of time as yeah. well but at the same time I was like oh my gosh <laughs> But anyway, I'm really glad you liked it. I love that you're like waiting on like pins and needles. You're like, did you did you like it? I oh, I didn't get a text from her. <sighs> Damn it! <laughs> you sent me it. a text that said like, when are we meeting? And I was like, nothing about the movie. What, what do you mean? And then I said, what seven. are we meeting? <laughs> I said seven, and you said perfect. And I was like, still nothing about the movie. And then you texted me a little later, and I was like, here it is. And it was like, can we make it seven thirty? And I was like, what? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I look at your like excuse me and that was my day today <laughs> lauren i didn't get anything done you were so worried <laughs> yeah the entire time she's like oh god what she's like the robot and uh, gonna scratch my <laughs> so anyway yeah. i'm glad you liked it yeah i did like it yeah, yeah i'm trying i'm trying to not do that as much but <laughs> You're right. When I said the buffalo thing, I guess that's pretty spot on that I was like, I like this, by the way. <laughs> I'm like excited to, like to say anything about this movie. That's what I read into it, which is a good thing. It's not bad. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I was just like, not even a word. Not even I know. Like- I, I figured I didn't have a lot of time. Um, and I kind of just like, I don't know. I was it's like, it's all good, man. I'll you don't wait. have to explain yourself. Yeah. I'm just telling you what my day was like (laughs) you were on pins and needles what is happening (laughs) okay yeah of course i would recommend the movie yeah it's a great movie i think what are you doing listening to us when you could be watching it (laughs) you could it's on amazon Although I watched her, your DVD. Yeah, so. I have the Criterion collection. She does. So the, the intense. If you want to hear a flex, <laughs> that's that was just it. I own the Criterion collection of Royal Tenenbaum. <laughs> <laughs> 
many DVDs do you think you own? I don't know, 6,000? <laughs> no, I probably 150. Nice. Just a guess. Maybe not even about, that much. I have about 300. Yeah, that that tracks then. I would say if you own 300, I probably own about 150. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they all fit down there in those nice little <laughs> things. Uh, anyway, so you can follow us on Instagram, Watchers of Movies. You can follow us on Facebook at Watchers of Movies. If you uh, like to check us our, out, our website, that's Watchers of Movies at gmail.com. That's the email. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's <laughs> Watchers of Movies dot weebly dot com there we go the got website. it and if you want to email us watches and movies at gmail.com um and you can also if you want to recommend us uh you want us to do something you can either dm us on instagram facebook i'm not very good at checking facebook messages so it might just be better for you just email us uh or you can also go to itunes you can leave us five stars and you can write down the name of the title that you wanted us to do and uh thank you so much to mike for our theme music yeah you can find him on twitter at the mike show 42 his name is mike myers thank you mike thanks mike and i think that's it bye <laughs> bye bye <laughs>